Good morning. It's good to see everyone today. That's fun. <laughs> so it was my senior year of high school. I came into senior English, and we were told what to expect over the next school year. My teacher talked about all the smaller assignments that we would have, the books that we would read, but he also talked about this big project that he was giving us on the very first day of school. Now, I don't remember all the details about it, but essentially, we were to create a scrapbook, and on each page, he wanted us to talk about something that was significant that happened um, throughout the school year. It was a really good idea and a great way to capture the whole year, um, a way that we could remember all of the great times as we were through our, going through our senior year. However, from the very beginning, we were told that we probably needed to work, to expect to work on, on it, you know, a little bit here and there throughout the year, because if we waited until the last minute, probably wouldn't do that good of a job uh, with the project. Now, for some reason, when you're a senior in high school and things like that get told to you, it goes in one ear and right out the other one, right? So I thought about it throughout the year. It's got to count for something. A few weeks went by and I was avoiding the project. A few months went by and I was still avoiding the project. And then we came down to the last few weeks right before it was due and I hadn't done anything on it. Luckily, I wasn't the only one, though. I had two other friends who were in the same boat as me. So what did we do? Well, the three of us got together the night before it was due and pulled an all-nighter to get it done from something that we could have been doing all year long. It wasn't my best idea, but, you know, I did feel like I learned something about procrastinating and avoiding what avoiding gets you. Tons of stress and a rough few days after your lack of sleep. During the early church, there were plenty of ways that the early ministers could have been tempted to procrastinate and avoid sharing the gospel. They were in a social and political environment that put constant pressure on them and that would make it, made it easy for them to put off the mission that they had been given. Timothy was one of those that was reminded multiple times by Paul to be encouraged and to continue sharing the gospel, even in the climate that he was in. Now, if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 1. And when you've found that, if you can help me know so by standing for the reading of God's word today. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David? This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, he will also we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you will... Uh, speak through me and help us to hear what you have in store for us. In the name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So Timothy was given a great challenge, which we too are given. Now, for those of you who don't really know much about Timothy, we see him enter the picture in Acts chapter 16, where it says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers, the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Timothy was a really important part of uh, Paul's ministry. He went to several of the major cities around there, even to um, the city of Ephesus. Now, first and second, Timothy, it kind of suggests that Timothy may have been timid, um, and he wasn't really enthusiastic about continuing in the ministry. But this didn't st stop Paul from continuing to challenge him and encourage him to continue in the ministry. We see this even in the very beginning of the passage. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He was continually encouraging Timothy in his ministries. But I really can't blame Timothy for being a timid and reluctant person in his ministry during this time. You see, he was up against a social and political climate that would be hard for us to even fathom. So 2 Timothy, it was written around 67 AD. At the time, the Roman Empire was the powerhouse of the world, and it was ruled by this evil and horrible emperor. Does the name Nero sound familiar to anyone? Let me tell you a little bit about what Nero was known for. He was a man consumed with power who would bribe everyone he could, including judges of music and acting competitions, so he could win. All the while, audience members that were having to listen to him would fake seizures and death so that they could get out of there. He was obsessed with sexual perversion, even including incest with his mother. Later, he became upset with his mother, and after two failed attempts, ended up sending his soldiers to go kill her. During his reign, he killed two of his wives, including one who was pregnant. 
He wasted money on gambling and poor decisions, which actually led to bankrupting the empire. He used Christians as a scapegoat for actions he took and tortured and killed large numbers of Christians in ways that I honestly am hesitant to share with you today. This was the man at one of the highest positions of political power in the world at the time. For Timothy, this was the political climate that he found himself in. But even in his local area, Timothy faced social challenges to his ministry. You see, Timothy dealt with the continued tension between Jews and Gentiles that Paul kept on talking about throughout his letters. He also dealt with false prophets and teachers who, after he would go and minister to one place, would come right in behind him, only to mess everything up. I'm sure for Timothy, all of these things would have been discouraging and felt like a losing battle. Yet Paul continues to challenge him by saying, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's a challenge that you and I are given as well as we share the gospel with the world. How often do we find ourselves getting distracted and discouraged with the world that we live in, though? I think it's easy for us to find all the things that are wrong with the world. We might see a world of corrupt leaders, broken and hurting families, addictions that seem to never end, or we feel hopeless in creating change for. It makes sense to be tempted to sit back and say that the world is doomed, and all that we can hope for is Christ to come back to take care of it. I wonder what Paul would say in the face of our political and social climate. My guess, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We are still called and challenged to share the gospel with those around us and to continue the ministry that Timothy and Paul worked so hard in 2,000 years ago. But sharing the gospel isn't always easy. Paul explains this as he shares the three metaphors that we see in this passage. First, he starts off by talking about the soldier in verse 4, where he says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Now, this would have been a concept that would have made sense to Timothy, especially since he was having to deal with Roman soldiers often. But Paul makes a couple points with this statement. First, soldiers go through suffering. When war is happening, a soldier doesn't expect a safe or easy experience. Hardship, risk, suffering, it's part of the job for a soldier. In Paul's time, this could have probably referred to the suffering that the early Christians would have faced, even if it meant death. Sharing the gospel often leads to suffering. It could be a criticism that we face after sharing something about the gospel or even, even claiming to be a Christian. Maybe it's also suffering that happens through working on bringing someone to Christ. It feels like it's easier to move a brick wall than continually work to share God's word with them. Suffering is one way. Suffering in one way or another can be expected. But Paul also talks about how a soldier does not get distracted with civilian life. 
What do you think would happen to a Roman soldier who focused on civilian life when a war is going on? I mean, for those of you who served in the military, what do you think your commanding officer would say to you if they came and asked you to come to be deployed because there was a war going on, and you responded with, you know what, my grass needs to get mowed. I think I'm going to go do that instead. As Christians, we find ourselves in a spiritual battle with God as our commanding officer. Yet, when we feel the tug of the Holy Spirit to do something or reach out to someone, do we ever tell God that we have better things to do? Paul then goes into the metaphor of an athlete in verse 5. He says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Now, by the time this letter was written, the Greeks would have been celebrating games of some sort of athletic competition for centuries. Every competition had its rules, and if those weren't followed, then the prize would have been lost. Athletes don't cheat, though, right? Whether it's local, college, or national sports, or even as high as the Olympic athletes, there have been numerous times that players, competitors, coaches, they've all been caught cheating and cutting corners. Cheating or cutting corners tends to be the way that the athlete tries to make things easier. As Christians, we are in a lifelong race, and we are called to live lawfully. How do we end up cutting corners, though? I think sometimes we try to make God's word fit our lifestyle rather than our lifestyle, allowing our lifestyle to be guided by the Holy Spirit through God's word. Pastors can even get caught up in this. They might tell God, you know, I'm not sure how your people can handle that. Let me cut out some of those hard parts or soften the blow of that statement. We don't want to hurt any feelings or anything. Sin is easy. To follow the rules laid out to us by God is something that requires the discipline and daily practices, and that's the challenge and the race that we are running. Paul's last metaphor is of a farmer. As he says in verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now, you don't have to look very far around here to see the crops around Kansas. It's exciting to see the crops grow every year, the corn coming up. Some of you may know the hard work that it takes year after year to produce these crops. The planting, the planting, the caring, and most importantly, the harvest. What do you think would happen if Kansas farmers decided to become lazy and stop at some part of the, that process? Can you imagine the ripple effect that it would have not only locally but also nationally? How much more of an impact happens when we become idle in our life as a Christian or as we share the gospel with others? Now, when you take these three images that Paul shares, you see that Paul is giving a warning against failure. Failure looks like a cowardly soldier, a cheating athlete, and a lazy farmer. 
As Christians, we're called to be a courageous soldier, a righteous follower, and a hardworking laborer in the middle of a harvest. This isn't an easy task that we have been given. It's not a once-and-done challenge, but it's a lifelong challenge to live daily following God and sharing the gospel. Thankfully, the God who calls us into this Christian ministry also stands with us and teaches us how to help to help us and to learn along the way. The word of God cannot be chained. Paul says in verse 8 and 9, Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. How powerful a statement this is. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy while he was imprisoned. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Paul to say this? Here was Paul, living every day, stuck in the four walls of his cell. Yet he didn't allow that to stop him. Puts a whole new meaning to the call to suffering like a good soldier that we see in verse 3. It was his suffering that Paul... It was in his suffering, that Paul continued to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that in verse 8, Paul actually switches from Christ Jesus to Jesus Christ. Maybe this was a reminder to Timothy that Jesus was also a man who went through more suffering than what Timothy was going through, and even what Paul was going through at the time that he wrote this letter. Yet even though people try to cause suffering towards the gospel message, whether it's Paul being imprisoned or Jesus dying on a cross, God's word remains unchained and untied. You know, if you think about it, the more people try to suppress the gospel, we recognize that it's actually doing its work. It's making its way into the minds and imagination and how people find their purpose in living you ever met someone that wanted to resist the message of the gospel? You know, I've heard plenty of testimonies of people that walked away from the church as they became an adult. They resisted what they had been taught and the message that they had received growing up. But later in life, things became difficult. But they remembered that church that shared Jesus with them when they were younger. It brought them back and they became right with their relationship with God. You know, even as I shared that, you may have thought of someone that you knew that had a similar testimony. Or maybe it's actually your testimony. The Word of God is unchained. We may try to run away from it, but it still has its roots in our mind. God's Word is greater than the prison walls and the chains that the world, or sometimes even us, try to restrain it with. How do we try to chain, God, train, chain God's word? You know, if Timothy really was timid like we see in Paul's writings, I wonder how Timothy may have tried to hold back the message of the gospel. You know, if you've seen NCIS, you may have known a guy by the name of Gibbs. And when I read uh, verse 8 and 9, it kind of makes me think of that 
head slap that Gibbs would give to the members of his team when he wanted to say, like, duh, get to work. Paul reminded Timothy that at the heart of the gospel is the announcement that Jesus is king. Timothy shouldn't hold back or try to chain the message. I kind of think of this as the Gibbs head slap to Timothy. It's a message that he shouldn't, he should be proclaiming and sharing with the word as best as he can. Duh, get to work. It's a reminder to us that we should not try to find ways to hold back or soften the message of Jesus Christ. It's also a reminder that God's word strengthens strengthens us even in the hard times. Just like Isaiah 40 talks about or says to the Israelites while they were in the hardship and the exile, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what will I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. This is a message that we can be reminded of even in the difficult times. We can also be reminded of how God continually guides us through his word. In Psalm 19, he says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it. What that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in your hands, I will not forget your law. It is through suffering that we find glory with God. As Paul shares the trustworthy saying in verse, verses 11 through 13, he shares some promises, but also some warnings. In each of the promises that we find in verses 11 and 12, Paul shares verbs that are actually contradictory. In 11, he is putting the verb to perish together, against to live together. This puts into perspective the radical idea of salvation. You know, sometimes it can be difficult for us to fully grasp this idea of perishing together, as sometimes we have it easy here in America compared to other countries that don't even allow Christianity in their, in their borders. That is a different type of persecution and suffering that we don't experience in the same way. Jesus still calls us to suffer just as he suffered, though. In Matthew 16, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Paul's saying also promises that if we endure or withstand, he will reign, we will reign with him. It's a promise that reminds us of the gift of eternal life that we are given through salvation. That is a glory that is amazing and hard to even fathom. Paul also gives a warning of being disowned, though. 
This isn't the first time that we've actually heard this. Um, Jesus even says this in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your, in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Being disowned in itself is a really painful experience, but to be disowned by Jesus would probably be the worst words that we could ever imagine. God continues to remain faithful even in times that we may lose loyalty. Through life, we may face hardships, and there are times that our faith in God may be challenged and sometimes waver. Truly, in the tough times, those are the opportunities that we need to learn a new kind of faith that remains faithful and reliant on God through the pressure of political, spiritual, moral, or any other hardships that we may face. Paul's last warning is also a promise, but a hard promise to hear at times. God will remain faithful in that he will we will live with him and reign with him if we die and endure with him. But he will also remain faithful to disown us if we choose to disown him. It's a hard truth. And for Timothy, it was a warning for him if he chooses to give up. We too should be thankful for the promise. We too should be thankful for the promises, but also wary of the warnings that Paul gives us you will stand with me today. So Paul shares with Timothy and with us several analogies that all try to point us in a direction. He is telling us that blessings may come through pain, fruit that is produced comes through toil, life can be given through death, and glory through suffering. This wouldn't have made sense for the Romans of the time, but for but it, could, it should make sense to those who profess to be a Christian as we reflect the life, death, and resurrection of the one who is our commanding officer. Now, as I shared with you, in the beginning, I was given a task at the beginning of my senior English class, one which I could have done a better job at if I had just listened to my teacher on that first day. When we accept Christ as our personal Savior, it's just like that first day, and we're given a task to share the gospel and profess Jesus as our Savior and King to all those that we might come in contact with. You might find it difficult to share the message. Like Timothy, maybe, maybe you see the social and political climate and feel concerned about the persecutions that we may face. Maybe it's that family member or friend that we have been working on for so long, but the more time goes on, the more hopeless we feel. Maybe you feel that there aren't many opportunities for you to share this message. Well, let me tell you about something happening next Sunday. It's an opportunity to love on and care for our community through a cruising back-to-school event. There will be people here who may have never heard the good news, who have, or who have been trying their hardest to block it out. Who knows? Maybe your handshake. 
Maybe your smile. Maybe your surf, service through Jesus could be what helps to open or crack that door open. There are opportunities all around us. It's up to us to not avoid or procrastinate these tasks that we of sharing the gospel message to those around us. God equips us to step out in faith and let him do the work through us. Altars are always open. We ask that you allow God to share what he has in store with you today. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure all of my days are held in your hand, crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence. God, we thank you for everything that you do for us. God, I pray that you will continually to help us grow in you, to help us be a good soldier, to help us as we race in this life and as we work in the harvest. God, I pray that you will keep us all safe as we leave this place. Help us to reach the community that is around us and help us to share your message that you have in store for them. In your name I pray. Amen. Let me leave you with this benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.